Hi, I'm Wayne Heinsohn, the pastor of Grace Church Australia. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. We hope it is inspirational and it equips you to make known the name of Jesus. You can stay connected with us during the week by going to gracegathering.online. I want to take you on a trip to the year 2028, five years from now. And I want you to imagine, what does our region look like then? What could our region look like then if we as the church do what we are called to do? In 2028, here's what I see. I see a mighty move of the Spirit in our region. I see an abundance of community engagement. I see healing and miracles happening every day. You might know the big shipping containers with the Cedar Mill sign on it. So I was praying about it this week. I saw that there were five letters, five big letters on those shipping containers. J-E-S-U-S. That's what I saw. His name being glorified. His name being magnified. But more than that, the name of Jesus being celebrated. And then as I pushed in a little bit more, you might know as I do, that part of that development is for like a 30,000-seat auditorium where they're going to have outdoor concerts. And as I, I visioned five years from now, I saw worship events with 30,000 people sold out for Jesus and glorifying him. It was a beautiful, beautiful image, church. And I know that it's a few years from now. And I know that we might not see it. But that's beside the point. Because we plan for today, but we plant for tomorrow. We plan for today, but we plant for tomorrow because fruit will come. And you might not see it and I might not see it, but it doesn't mean that the fruitfulness of the seed that we sow doesn't come. It does come. We as the church are called to do what we can do today and God will multiply. You are called to do what you can do today and the fruit will come tomorrow. I love how in 1 Corinthians, it's chapter 3, verse 5, the second part of it, Paul says this, each of us did the work the Lord gave us. That's all we need to do. All we need to do is do what God is asking us to do. Daniel doesn't need to do what he's asking me to do. Daniel needs to do what he's asking him to do. Deb, you don't need to do what God's asking me to do, and I know that you'd be thankful for that because you don't want to be up the front here speaking, but God has positioned you where you are right now for a plan and a purpose, and all you need to do is what he wants you to do. It's the same for everybody that is here, and that is not, or, or what he's asking us to do is not the same for everybody, but he is asking all of us to do something. Now, there's a good chance that in 2028, some of us might not be around to see the vision fulfilled. 
But does that mean that we stop because we might not see it happening in the future? No, we continue moving forward with what it is that God has asked us to do. I love that 1 Corinthians passage because what Paul reminds us is that we each have a role to play when it comes to God doing what he wants to do and building his kingdom. And so it's so important that we maintain a kingdom perspective in everything that we do. We have to maintain a kingdom perspective. And part of that says the kingdom of God continues beyond your time and my time on this earth. His kingdom reigns forever. It does not stop. And so sometimes what we are doing as a church, sometimes what we are doing as families or individuals is we are actually planting for generations to come the fruit of which we may never see. And in the next verse in 2 Corinthians, the next couple of verses, Paul goes on to explain this. He says, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Paul did what he was called to do, which was to plant the seed. Was Apollos called to plant the seed? No, he wasn't. What was he called to do? He was called to water the seed that had already been planted. And did either of them make it grow? No, that's what God does. God breathes on it and it grows. Verse 7, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. It doesn't matter because we are all the king. We are all the church. We are all playing a part but God is asking us individually to play each our part. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. We all have the same goal and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Paul didn't water, Apollos didn't plant, but together, guess what happened? They created a condition where the seed could grow as God breathed upon it. And that's what we as a church need to do. We need to create a condition where the gospel can grow and spread through our region. That's what you and I are called to do. And so when it comes to us as a church we are, want to be very, very deliberate in terms of how we go about doing that. We share the gospel with a kingdom mindset. We keep the kingdom focus in everything that we do. So I want to just start um, our Vision Sunday by just recapping, reminding you what our vision statement is. I could probably do a little bit of a test here and see who knows it off by heart. But why do we exist? Grace Church exists to make Jesus known to the people of Lake Macquarie and beyond, as well as that, to develop them as his disciples and to grow them to Christ-like maturity in a fun, contemporary and relatable way. That's why we as a church exist. Everything that we do is geared towards fulfilling that vision. It's about fulfilling the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? Go out and make disciples. That's what we as a church, we want you to go out and make disciples. It's about us as followers of Jesus becoming more like him. That's why we emphasize that we need to have discipleship. We need to develop disciples. Discipleship is what? It's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus every day. And that is a lifelong journey. Whether you are eight, whether you are 88, 
your journey has not finished. It is still a process that you are on. Is that right, Val? You are very close to Jesus, but still a few little bits to go. <laughs> of course, she says. Absolutely. Love it. It's about Grace Church being able to relate to our community where they are at in 2023. And so you might have heard me over the last few months talking about our podcast or talking about our YouTube channel and you might be thinking, what does that have to do with anything? What it has to do is that younger generations, they are living in that space. And so if they are not joining us in person, we need to be very deliberate in terms of how do we create avenues to reach the younger generations my 18-year-old son. That's the world that he lives in. It's been a fantastic and very intriguing insight into how teenagers live. But that's the world that he lives in. And so as a church, we can't just say, oh, we're not going to worry about that. If in our vision statement it says that we are relating to our community in a contemporary way, then we need to, within the confines of you know, our abilities and our resource, we need to go, how do we reach them? So, at the moment, on YouTube, we have 504 subscribers to our channel. That means that's more than 500 people that we are reaching through YouTube. Our podcast has been listened to almost 900 times. Those are just different tools. They don't replace. They're in addition to who we are as a church. But it helps us to fulfill when it comes to that uh, mission statement, our vision statement of being contemporary. Okay, so that's just a bit of a side, a side um, angle there. So what we do um, every year is as the year draws to an end, Jackie and I, we sit down and we pray about, well, what's the focus for the next year, Lord? What is it that you want us to really focus on? It's, it's not a replacement for our vision statement. It's a, a, a supplement. It's an addition. It's an over and above of our standard vision statement. And so we just spend some time and we say, what's the focus for 2023? It gives us a focal point. And as last year was drawing to a close, as we prayed about, you know, what's the, the vision for, uh, for 2023? More and more, the Lord said to me, there's no new vision for 2023. What do you mean there's no new vision for 2023? That's not how we work, church. That's not how we work, God. In nine years, every year, you have given us something for the next year, whether that's overflowing fruitfulness or beyond the walls or the Father's heart. Every year, you have given us a new vision for the following year. And so what you're telling me is that in 2023, our vision is the same as 2022. That can't be right. As good as that was, transform our community in the name of Jesus... And so I was perplexed. Don't you love those times with God? When he just like does your head in and you're thinking, hold on, I thought I understood everything that was going on and now you know, you've thrown me into this world of confusion. So I think that's because it keeps us humbled and it keeps us grounded. It reminds us, hey, you're not in control. God's in control. And we've got to have that total surrender to him. So anyway, I was confused. And so nothing new in terms of vision. So... I started to worry that maybe God had stopped speaking. Well, probably more to the point, I started to worry that I'd stopped hearing his voice. And so I spent some time with him. 
I had a chat, my loving Heavenly Father and me. Now, it's, the chat started like this. I whinged, I complained, I had a little bit of a tantrum, you know, and I got all that out of my system, and it was kind of as I got all that out of my system that he went, all right, well, now we can have an actual conversation, not just you having a bit of a temper tantrum. And so he waited till I was done, and this is what he said to me gently. He said, why would I ask you to change direction when you're already on the right path? Why would I ask you to deviate from the path that you are on because you are on the right path that I have for you? I thought, hmm, well, that's pretty interesting. And then I, I, I contextualise it for myself like this. I've been learning a bit about aviation recently. And... Um, one of the things that has stuck with me is the importance of the pilot's flight path. So if you've ever been on a plane, you might wonder, well, how does the plane get from Sydney to Brisbane, for example? Brian and Deb were there last weekend. I'll use that as my example. Well, what happens is before the pilots even get into the plane, they've mapped out a flight path, and they look at the weather, they look at other conditions that might affect that, and they decide on this is where we're going to fly, the level we're going to fly at, and all those kind of things. And they submit that, it gets approved, and that's what they actually do. Is there a tailwind? Is there a headwind? Those kind of factors. Now, occasionally, very occasionally, they might need to deviate because of that. But primarily, they know where they're going before they start. And so they stay on that flight path until they come in to land. And that's what gets you to your destination, hopefully on time and safely. That's what pilots do. And so, as I was thinking about this, as having these conversations with God, he said, you're on the flight path that I have for you in this season as a church. So we're not going to deviate from it. We're not going to change direction. We're not going to go any other place. You're heading exactly where I want you to head as a church for 2023. So we're going to stay in the same zone, in the same space, on the same path that... I had for you last year. So that was to transform our community in the name of Jesus. And as I kind of picked myself up after this God conversation and dusted myself off and, you know, got over myself essentially, what I realized was that's what I, what I want our church to be. I want our church to be a church that no matter what he says, that he, we hear the voice of God and we follow. We hear his voice, even if it doesn't make sense. We hear his voice, even if it's saying, keep doing what you're doing, stay where you're going. But we hear his voice and we follow. No matter the cost, doesn't matter if it makes sense, doesn't matter if it's popular. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about James and John and Andrew and Simon and how they just abandoned their boats and their dad and they followed Jesus because he said, come follow me. That's what I want us to be as a church, that no matter what, no matter the cost, no matter what is involved, that we follow him when he says, stay on the path, we stay on the path. When he says it's time to move, it's time to move. If you've got your Bibles, I very quickly want to go to Numbers 9 because there's a fantastic passage that speaks to that. The Israelites are traveling through the wilderness and there's a cloud that's hovering over the tabernacle and the cloud is obviously representative of God and his spirit, it's symbolic of that. And when the cloud moves, the Israelites move. And when the cloud stops, the Israelites stops. And I want to read this from verse 17 
um, because I think it really speaks to my heart and hopefully your heart for his church, but also for your family and for you when it comes to walking with Jesus. Starts with this, verse 17, whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. That seems pretty easy, doesn't it? The cloud, symbolic of God, his presence, we're following that. So the cloud moves, so we move. But imagine, so they've got to set up camp. So they've got a bunch of stuff with them. So it's not as easy necessarily as it sounds to begin with. In verse 18, in this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. So they followed God no matter what. If he said, let's stay here, they stayed there. If he said, it's time to go, Then they went. Verse 19, if the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. And often, you know, we can think, oh, well, what we need to do is we need to stay and keep doing what God says that we need to do for a long, long time. That's what we need to do. But that's actually, if you, we, as we read on, not what the Israelites did. Because in the next verse it says, Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days, so the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Imagine how inconvenient that is. You set up camp, you think, I'm going to be here for a long time, and then a couple of days later, a few days later, God says, time to pack up, let's go again. But then it says, then at the Lord's command they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. Imagine that. Just overnight and then you've got to pack up and go again. But day or night when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. That's so important. As soon as the Lord said it's time to move, like those early disciples who packed up, left the boats, and followed Jesus, that's what the Israelites did. God said time to move, so they moved. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. Isn't that just a great passage? How the Israelites followed whatever it was that God told them. They went wherever and whenever he told them to move. I want us to be a church that's like that. I want us to be a church that if God says it's time to move, then let's move. If he says it's time to stop, let's stop. If he says it's time to stay on the path that I have for you, then we stay on the path that he has for us until he tells us otherwise. And that may very well be years and years. He might just say, what do I want Grace Church to do? I want them to transform the community in my precious name. It might not be. Let's wait and see what he's actually got in store. But verse 23, I think, is so central when it comes to how we follow the Lord. 
Whatever he commands, we follow. Now, I don't always do that. I wish that I could say that I did, but I don't. And it's probably the same for you. But remember that we are people, that we are works in progress, that we are following Jesus, but we're not perfect. And so sometimes we're not going to do that. But I do know that when we get to that place where we say, we follow you, Lord, no matter what, it's uncomfortable, it's scary, it's uncertain, you don't know what the next step is. And that's why it's so very important, I think, for us to listen to verses like Matthew 6, 33. What does Jesus tell us? Don't worry about the, what the birds are doing. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. What do you need to worry about? All you need to worry about is that I'm with you. That's all you need to worry about. And then in verse 34, we're told, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough trouble. Isn't that comforting to know that troubles are coming tomorrow? But what does he tell us? He says, each day has enough trouble of its own. So all we need to do is worry about what has God got for us today? Because the truth is, I don't know what tomorrow looks like for my life. I don't know, and you don't know what tomorrow looks for your life. We don't know what tomorrow looks like for Grace Church, but we know what God is saying today. And so we listen to today and only concern ourselves with today. It's like when Jackie was away last week in Vanuatu. All I thought about was, let's just get through to today. Let's get, let's get to the end of the day. The kids are alive and they're in bed. And if I did that, that was a big tick for me. All right, that was all I had to worry about. I knew that tomorrow was coming and there was stuff happening tomorrow, but my focus was just on today. But I think for you and for me and I think for us as a church, I think Matthew 6 is a really good um, indication, a really good illustration that we need to travel light. And we need to travel light. We need to be agile. We need to be ready that when God says it's time to move, that we're ready to move. If he says it's time to stop, that we stop. And I mentioned recently, we need to anchor ourselves to Jesus, not to the junk of this world. Anchor ourselves to Jesus. In him we have everything that we need. We need to anchor to him. So when he says it's time to move on, and that could be physically, but it could be spiritually, it could be emotionally, there could be stuff that you've been carrying around for so long and he wants you to get rid of it, he wants you to cast your cares onto him, but you're holding on to it and thinking, no, no, I'm going to deal with this. So maybe that's the lightness that he's talking about. Whatever it is, we need to be ready to metaphorically pack up and keep going what he's asking us to do. I think it's good to make plans. I think there's wisdom in that. But we need to learn to hold our plans lightly. Sometimes we can get so anchored to the plan that we have that it actually stops us from going where God wants us to go. We need to continue moving in alignment with the Spirit. We need to follow Jesus wherever he is taking us. We can have confidence knowing that wherever that is, that he is with us, he is by our side. He is guiding us, he is holding our hand if we need our hand held, but he is taking us down the path. 
remember back in 2012, Jackie and I, um, we'd been on the mission field for about 10 years. And a couple of years earlier, we'd shipped pretty much everything that we own to Vanuatu in a 20-foot shipping container. All of our household furniture and most of our personal possessions because we thought we were moving there and we were going to be there for a long, long time. We had prepared to set up camp for many, many years. And then at the end of 2012, so about three years later, the Holy Spirit clearly said, time's up. It's time to go back to Australia. And again, I was perplexed and I was confused and I was like, but, but, but we... We shipped everything here. We're supposed to be here for a long time. And he said, you've done what I need you to do in this season. It's time to go back. Your time on the mission field for this season is done. I was like, just a bit dumbfounded. You know, and then went through the process and, you know, December 10, 2012, after 10 years as full-time missionaries, we returned home, back to Australia didn't really feel like home at the time but we had learned over many many years the importance of that place of surrender but that place of obedience that place of going we thought we were doing this but you're now asking us to pack up and to go somewhere else in this case physically we will follow because that is our heart And hopefully that's your heart as well, whatever he's saying, that you want to do that. And so to this end, I just want to let you know about a change for church for 2023. So towards the middle of last year, Jackie and I felt this shift in terms of how we were supposed to pastor Grace Church. For the first time in 17 years, we don't have a child at home during the day. They are all at school. And everybody said amen and amen. Yes, hallelujah, thank you so very much. But with all the kids at school, Jackie's in that unique place where what used to be a very packed week is now suddenly very empty or there's a lot more space that is there. And we, you know, for a number of months have been talking about, well, what does that look like? You know, and you're going to go back to teaching. You're going to do this, you're going to do that. And um, we really felt that... um, for the, the season ahead, however long that is, um, that Jackie was to step into more of a pastoral role at Grace Church. So we're doing a little bit of a switcheroo in terms of how we lead Grace Church. And you might have seen over the last couple of months that being implemented a little bit. So what will essentially happen is that the day-to-day operations of church will get handed over to Jackie Um, I think she's aware that that's happening. (laughs) So she didn't give me that look of, wow, that look of surprise, really. Um, And I'll I'll be stepping into um, more of an apostolic sort of overseeing role, more of um, in line with with my gifting. Um, And so if I take the... um, if I take the aviation metaphor in a plane, in a cockpit, there's always two pilots. One pilot is flying and the other one is called the pilot monitoring. So they're just keeping an eye on things and making sure everything's okay. And if the pilot flying needs some assistance with something, they ask the pilot monitoring. Well, for the last nine years, I've been the pilot flying and Jackie's been the pilot monitoring and we're switching around. So she's going into the captain's chair. 
Morning to you, Captain Jackie. So when you see her, I want you to say, good morning, Captain Jackie. Uh, um, and then I will just be more of that um, monitoring role. So we're very excited about what, um, you know, what God wants to do um, through that. Um, in a way, it doesn't really change too much because we co-pastor anyway, um, but I just wanted to, uh, to fill you in. So transform our community in the name of Jesus. That is our vision for 2022 and 2023 because our community still needs transformation. And Jesus is the only source of true transformation. We're not talking about change. We're not talking about somebody's life getting better for a week or a month. Or We're talking about total and complete transformation. They are never the same again. And that is only available through Jesus. And that vision that I spoke about at the start of the message, seeing J-E-S-U-S in huge letters on those shipping containers, is, I believe, a picture of what is to come. And as fantastic as that would be, Imagine if there were thousands and thousands of people that had J-E-S-U-S written on their heart, never to be the same again. That's what we as a church can do. That's who we are as Grace Church. That's who you are as the church. You are an agent of transformation. God wants to use you to turn people's lives upside down so that they are never the same again. What an awesome privilege that is, that you get to do that. You get to do that. Marlene, you get to do that. Lynn, you get to do that. John, yes, you get to do that. He wants to use you to be an agent of transformation. Now, I got a bunch where I just wanted to go and I wanted to break down the transform our community, but I don't have time to do that. So I might get to that at some other point. Because I mentioned that we live in a time where people need Jesus more than anything. We've come on the back of a pandemic which has been tough, but that's nothing compared to the spiritual darkness that so many people are living in. And they don't know how to get out of that. But we do. His name is Jesus. And so that's why, as a church, he is front and center. He is right in the middle of everything that we do, everything that we say, all the songs that we sing through worship. They are all about declaring the name of Jesus because there is freedom in his name, there is healing in his name, there is hope in his name. There is so much that comes out of the name of Jesus. And I might speak about that soon. But I want to just go to a, pas a passage from 2 Timothy. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to um, chapter 3, because it really speaks to the condition of the world that we live in. And I read this just a couple of days ago and my message was almost done. I read it and alarm bells went off. And it was like, this is the world that we live in in 2023. Here's what it says. And you know in the last days, times will be hard. You see, 
The world will be filled with narcissistic, money-grabbing, pretentious, arrogant and abusive people. They will rebel against their parents and will be ungrateful, unholy, uncaring, cold-hearted, accusing, without restraint, savage and haters of anything good. Does that feel like the world we live in? Not everybody, but it feels more and more that that anti-God sentiment is becoming the dominant thought, the dominant action, the dominant voice in the world that we live in. Expect them to be treacherous, reckless, swollen with self-importance and given to loving pleasure more than they love God. Even though they may look or act like godly people, they're not. They deny his power. That last verse aches my heart. It brings a tear to my eye. They look or act like godly people, but they're not. Why? Because they deny the power of God. We will not be a church that denies the power of God. Because we are agents of transformation, but it is the power of God that transforms lives. He uses you and me, but it's not the church that transforms. It's the power of God that is at work within us, that flows through us, that brings transformation in people and communities. And if we go into the next part of Second Timothy, into chapter 4, there's some instructions that... I think you and I should probably pay attention to. For the time is coming when men will not tolerate wholesome teaching. They will want something to tickle their own fancies and they will collect teachers who will pander to their own desires. They will no longer listen to the truth but will wander off after man-made fictions. For yourself, pay attention church, Stand fast in all that you are doing, meeting whatever suffering this may involve. Go on steadily preaching the gospel and carry out the full commission that God gave you. I'm not going to tickle your fancy. I'm not going to pander to your desires. What I am going to do is I am going to preach truth. I'm going to base that on who Jesus is because that and that alone is what brings about transformation in your life and my life. That's what, as a church, we are instructed to do. We will pursue the spiritual. We won't pursue the spectacular. There's nothing wrong with lights and all that sort of stuff but sometimes they become a distraction to truth. People are attracted to the show in place of being attracted to Jesus. And we don't want that to be the case for us as a church. We won't speak clever words or preach some watered-down half-truth of the gospel because that's not who Jesus is and that's not who we are as a church. I want more of Jesus. Hopefully you do as well. We want to preach his truth and nothing else because the truth will set you free.
We want to encounter his presence every time we gather together. If you come into this building, I want you to feel the presence of God. Jackie wants you to feel the presence of God. And so we try to create an environment where we welcome him each time we gather together. We pray and believe for mighty moves of God. We deliberately leave space in our gatherings for him to move. Sometimes they're those uncomfortable silences where I say stand in his presence for a couple of minutes. And it feels like it's two hours, but really it's only been 120 seconds. I know what that's like, but that's about us as a church being deliberate of saying, God, we pause so that you can speak to us. You can do what it is that you want to do. We believe the Spirit of God empowers us to transform individuals and families and communities and nations. He empowers you and me to do what he wants to do. All of us. It's not just me because I'm here up the front. That's nothing to do with it. It's about being surrendered and available and saying, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, I'm here and I'm ready. And how do we bring about transformation? We bring it about because everything that we do is in the name of Jesus. There is no other name by which people are saved. There is no other name by which people are healed. There is no other name by which chains are broken, captives are set free, people are released from bondage. It all happens when we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen? That's what the Bible says very quickly. Romans 10.13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is salvation in his name. Acts 3.6, but Peter said, I don't have silver or gold. I've got none of that, but here's what I do have. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. You can be the poorest of the poor, but when you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. Mark 16, 17, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. Even demons are scared when we declare something in the name of Jesus. I hope you're excited about what God's doing, church, because it makes it, Scripture makes it very, very clear that there is power in the name of Jesus. And so as a church, as we move towards transforming our community in the name of Jesus, we do that because it is the heart of God. We do that because we are instructed in the Great Commission to do that. And I hope and I pray that you are on board with us as a church with what God wants to do. We might not look like a whole bunch of other churches and I am thankful for that because we are a church that is hungering and thirsting after the things of God. We are going after him and him alone and when you do that, there is abundant fruit for generations to come. When you do that, you can believe that in five years, J-E-S-U-S, People are driving past that every day. You can believe that there are tens of thousands of people that are worshipping and weeping because of the name of Jesus. That's what I want for us as a church. That's what I want for us as a community. That's what I want for you and your family. To hear more podcasts from Grace Church Australia, make sure you subscribe and stay connected by going to gracegathering.online.